we this last, uh, about a week and a half ago, had our mail stolen. And it, we wouldn't have even known that it happened if it wasn't for just the little fact that our mail flag was up, which, you know, some people say, don't ever put your mail flag up, but we put our mail flag up, put the mail in, and we have a great relationship with the mail carrier. We have these incredible receptionists, they're so gregarious, and they have treats out there, and so our mail carrier, even though he doesn't have to, likes to often come in. So he comes to our mailbox, and the flag is up, he opens it, and there's no mail. And he gets out of the truck, comes in, and says, did you put mail in there? They said, yes, we did. Well, that started the whole search. And and who was this? We we didn't know. No one saw the person. But thankfully, this last year, we, you know, in a half or so, we had a Grow and Gather campaign. And one of the things that you contributed to was security cameras and other things on this property because it's our desire to make this as safe as can be for kids and anyone else here. And so I'm grateful for that because they looked at the cameras. They were able to... Um, isolate the license plate and it almost seemed like one of these investigation kind of you know detective story they, they couldn't see it at first and Pat Olson who's a master at anything electronic and informational everything else was able to get the license plate and so we were able to give that to the authorities and the authorities were able to track it and they were able to actually catch the thieves so I say all that one I just am grateful for um, well, you have an emergency response team now that we've put in place, and I'm thankful for our executive pastor, Mike Murray, who's worked hard on that to actually meet after the service. If you're interested at all about being a part of that team, um, you get to walk around that, like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, please let Mike Murray know that, or me. But I say all that because since I started the Stolen Identity series, Right in the beginning, my identity was stolen when I was at O'Hara Airport, and I got the call and from our receptionist, who, they're crack at, you don't want to do anything here. <laughs> our receptionists are well-trained in anything security. But I'm kind of almost anticipating getting out of this series in the next couple of weeks, because <laughs> I don't want anything else to happen. <laughs> But the Bible is really, really um, salient on this point. One thing it really talks about is that we, you, you need to know your true identity. You need to take measures to protect your true identity. And you need to be aware that when it's stolen, there are things that you need to do. In chapter 4 of Luke, in these first few verses... It starts out by saying Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into this time of testing where for 40 days and nights he was tempted and tested. And what I find is interesting, it says the devil said to him, one of his first temptations, according to Luke, the devil comes to him after Jesus has had this baptism experience where the father says this, you are my son. Whom I love. And all that you have done and will do pleases me. And after that kind of announcement, the spirit which he is full of is led by into this place. And the first thing the devil says to him is if you are the son of God. The central key place of attack on who you are as one who is loved by God 
if you've opened your heart to him and you've aligned your will with him, is your identity. He will go after who you are. Because who you are determines what you do. Right? Who you are will always express what you do. We're not into behavior modification. The Bible was not given as a self-improvement plan. It was given as a plan that would regenerate our hearts. And, and when we, as Paul says, become a new creation in Christ, there is a new nature placed in you. And that nature is one that is a child loved by God. And so, if you think he's going to come at the sun who has just been told how loved he is, who has been told he's the son of God, do you do you not think in any way that Satan's not going to come after I mean, do you think he's not going to come after you? So let's stand together and read this scripture. It's um, from the Living Bible. And read it with me if you would. Be alert. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks. Trust the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we invite you to send your spirit in just immeasurable ways that we might learn more about your incredible love and that we might be people who live out who we are. We are the sons and daughters of the Father with the very character of Christ within us to be revealed as we trust and obey. Thank you, God. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated, thanks. So you need to know your identity in Christ, but you also need to know what to do when your identity has been stolen because it will be stolen. Mark my word, it will be stolen. He, Satan, as we just read, is like a roaring lion that is looking to pounce at any point he can. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, suggests there's five things that you should do, five steps to take to protect and then to restore your identity if it's ever been stolen. So what I want to do this morning is talk about this. The FTC says the way you do this is to detect any potential identity theft. Notify the authorities, then close the account, take control of your identity, and stay alert. Those are five great, what I would call actual steps. And it's those steps that I want to talk about because the word of God basically says the same thing. All truth is God's truth. So those are truthful steps. And the very first step if you want to make sure that when your identity is under attack or being or has been stolen, and I'm guessing there are people here this morning who are living with your identity stolen. Some of you may have never come into a place of identity with Christ, which is which is just a heart that is that is humble, repentant, and open, and, and aware of your sin, and ask for forgiveness for those sins, and then ask Jesus to forgive and to come into your life. If you've never done that, you could pray that right now. And just say, Jesus, forgive me, I invite you into my life. And he gives this new creation in you and this new identity. But some of you are here, and you have known this, you have maybe known Christ as a young child, or you've known them for the, him for the last year or so, and you might be living right now with your identity stolen, not be aware of it. And the very first measure is this, detect any potential identity theft. 
Which means, do you know your identity in Christ? And we've been talking about this the last few weeks, and, and there's names, there's different things that he, God tells us, so if you weren't here, go back, because you need to know your identity to be aware, even if it's been stolen. The power of knowing your identity is so critical. If you've ever watched people who have been captured and, and placed in, in places where they are tortured, there are stories after stories, and, and, and here's what individuals who have been captured or tortured or beaten on a daily basis say, that when they are interviewed afterwards and asked how they got through it, one of the things, one of the most common things that is said again and again is this, they never lost sight of who they were. It's, it's the one thing that their captors couldn't take away from them. No matter how many times the captors tried to make them, the prisoners, one of their own or to, to brainwash their thinking, the realization of who they were helped them to cope within that time of trial. And that is critical for you in your life. Anytime there's a trial, anytime that you go through a trial, what will happen is wounds and a false identity will come up. So when there's tragedy or despair... When your hope is being robbed from you, you need to do what these guys, you remember who you are in Christ. That's why Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't some kind of poem that he wanted put up on a wall. It's a beautiful prayer, but the prayer is basically something he gave to his disciples because he knew that they would be under attack just like you and me. And he said to them who said, how do we talk to our father? And he said, here's how you do it. You start out by saying, it's all about your identity. Abba, dad, I want to put myself, this is who I really am. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. It's like I am your child, or, or I look at my children and I'm crazy at my kids and my, my, my grandchild. God's crazy about you. Abba, Dad. And then he goes on, and if you just read it, it's, you know, we want to live in such a way, your name is made great, and we want to live in such a way that what's out here in this realm of heaven, in the eternal realm around us, we want to bring into this realm where we live right here. And then he makes these statements. He basically says, Dad... Thank you that you give me what I need every day. Dad, thank you that you know that I am frail and that I will need to be forgiven and that you forgive me so that I can live that way with others. Dad, thank you so much that you have promised that that you will protect me and not lead me into bad places. And thank you, Dad, that all things that occur in my life will be brought together for good and bring glory to your name forever and ever. Amen. So there's this basic sense of how important your identity is. But there's something I want you to know when we talk about detecting when your identity has been stolen. This is critical because I think this is one of the ways that you can begin to tell when it's been stolen. When you start living with a false identity and what happens so often, what I have noticed in my own life, what I see in scripture, is that you will often be in this place with a trial or something will happen And you will be called the opposite, or you will allow yourself to be labeled the opposite of who you really are. Does that make sense? So often you might be, you know, thinking, and this is who God sees you, and then Satan comes along and he gives you the opposite name. Or the circumstance occurs and you take on that opposite name. Satan knows that you're precious, so he comes and he calls you what? Worthless. 
Satan knows that you're complete in Christ to fulfill his calling upon your life. But he comes in and he says, you're inadequate. You can't do it. Satan knows in your marriage, for instance, he knows that you were given this marriage to be not just fulfilled in it, but to be a blessing to many. But Satan comes along and he basically looks at your marriage and he starts to whisper in your ears because you feel these things as well, according to, you know, past wounds and other things. And it triggers things in you and you move to a place where you feel your marriage is cursed and hopeless. Just the opposite of what God called it to be. Stay alert. You will be called. This is one of the ways to detect it. The moment you begin to find yourself labeled with the exact opposite name of who you really are in Christ. He, he Think about this. Satan sought to do this to Jesus. Jesus was called a false teacher, and yet he was the most genuinely honest educator ever to instruct anyone. Jesus was called a lawbreaker, and yet he was the lawmaker. See how the attack is? This is how you can detect it. Jesus was labeled in his life a divider, and yet he was the reconciler of all people to God and to one another. When you get called the opposite name, that's a key. That's a detection moment. Jesus was called a liar when he was actually the truth in flesh. Jesus was called a blasphemer, yet he's the most holy man who ever lived. I've noticed as I've kind of in my own life and, and, and been in these places where I, I begin to detect and I go, wow, that's not who I am. You know how you have that? You, just, you can just feel the name almost, the label. It's almost like tattooed into you. Um, I was doing a gateway prayer session with someone. I was a second. We have someone who leads it, and I was a second. And I remembered how at a young age, as I was in this gateway prayer, the Satan will rob our true identity. Because one of the things that, that happens often in these is, is, is we kind of help establish identity. And we're with this person, and during our prayer time, the person began to forgive, which is one of the things we do, because forgiveness is critical in our, in our walk with God, began to forgive a significant authority figure who had labeled that person as having no compassion, not caring, unwilling to help. I'm listening to this. I'm sitting across from this person, and honestly, I sat there listening, thinking, you got to be kidding me, really? And, and this person's feeling this, has felt it throughout his life, that's the opposite of the person I know sitting in front of me. That person's compassionate, caring, and looks to help. And so I'm in this prayer session, I'm hearing this, and as we pray, we, we go through these forgiveness, and we pray forgiveness through wounds or injuries or things that have happened in our life, and this person is there, and we ask, like we would normally do, so what do you hear Jesus telling you? What, what do you, who did he say that you are? And we let that person pray. One of the things I like about this is because it allows, we're not saying anything. We just let them hear from the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing what God does. And the person begins to repeat what they heard in their heart. Compassionate. There's tears, caring, helpful, and a bunch of other names. I found this to be really true. You, when you live under a false label, that should be step one. Detect at that moment your identity has been robbed. 
Pay attention to that negative feeling. You may feel something because what you're feeling at that moment, even though in your head you may say, I believe this, what you're feeling, you always, you always believe kind of what you're feeling in your heart. So pay attention to that. Step two, notify the authorities. Alert anyone who can help. Minimize the damage that's done. And, and the idea here is that when something, when, when there's, when you've detected it, the next step is to notify the authorities. So when I was at O'Hare Airport and a receptionist sent me a text or something and said, did you send this and et cetera, and I was notified that something was going on, the very next thing I did was I called Pat Olson, our IT guy, because he's masterful at this stuff, and, and I gave it to him, and he got back to me within minutes or so and said there had been a Gmail account that had been opened up. He had already gotten a call of the authorities at Google, and he shut it down, and things were taken care of. Because the moment you detect it, it's important you do something. Because the longer you go not detecting it, the greater damage it occurs. And some of you have been living under damage for quite some time. And what you need to know is that when you begin to detect it and you understand it, you begin to see what God is doing. The next thing is you need to notify the authorities. And that is the authority is God himself. And and it's also as you can go to God's word where he tells you what is true about who you are. When our mail was stolen, we called the police. I had lunch this past week with um, longtime members in her church. I think it's been probably 50 years or so with Wayne and Carmen Haxter. And Carmen shared with, sharing with me that she had gotten this letter because they're getting really crafty, aren't they, at, 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 at stealing your identity. And, this, you know, it looked just like it came from the bank. And she said, I thought something was fishy. So she called the authorities, called the bank, and she went through it with them. And they go, you did the right thing. That was a good catch. Because when you experience a stolen identity, the thing you need to do is go back to the authority. You need to talk to God. Get on the line with your Father in Heaven and say, Dad, did you hear what was said? And with your heart, listen. What did God say to you? Speak to the Holy Spirit within you. Spirit of God, you hear this. Please strengthen me and remind me again. I Remind me. Take a moment and remind me again who I am in you. These are really great opportunities if you choose to do this. When you start to, whenever you detect it and then you notify God your authority, they're great opportunities for Him to establish more deeply in you who you really are. Not that He, you're trying to become it. You are this in Christ. He just wants you to live in the reality of what that is. You can open your the word of God and, and you can begin to read and you may need to do this and that is put like a scripture in your head that says for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is your love for me. I, whatever you might need to do. There's pastor and author Bill Johnson says this often. You cannot afford to have in your head one thought about you that God doesn't have in his head about you. I think that's a great true statement. If you've never done this, I want to invite you right now to consider doing this. I consider you to open your heart to your heavenly father, the authority in heaven. Because he is the one who has restored you to your true identity. You might need to pray, Jesus, my identity has been stolen. That rape stole my identity.
Jesus, my identity has been stolen. That molestation stole my identity. Some of you have been living with some things for years. Jesus, that divorce robbed me of my identity. Jesus, when I got fired and lost my job, my identity was stolen. Jesus, the mean things that were said to me robbed my identity. Jesus, the drugs that I took robbed my identity. Jesus, peer pressure robbed my identity. I've been living for my friends and not for who I want to be. And I've allowed my identity to be stolen because I cared more about the approval of others than I have cared about your approval and doing what I knew was right. Jesus, Satan has stole my identity. And one of the ways you can know this is not only is the opposite name, but what you'll find is there's a repetitiveness to it over and over again. And you allow in your mind for that to continue on. And there is a thing you can do, and you can turn to your authority and say, Jesus, I want you to stop this in your name. I want you to bring this to an end. I'm notifying you right now, Jesus. I want you to say the truth of who I am. And then you do the third step. You close the account. You close the account. You shut down every account that has been compromised or created on a false basis. Are there certain accounts in your life? It could be relationships or places could be circumstances you even find yourself in right now where you find your identity stolen. Often what we do in closing accounts, and one of the most important things to do to close an account is, is to pray forgiveness. Often when you begin to start getting in touch with a false identity and you have this continual feeling and underneath that feeling is a belief, you go, where is this belief coming from? And and often if you just listen and the Holy Spirit, he'll talk to you and you kind of know what it is. What it is, it might be attached to some experience or to someone where you just have to go back and forgive and let go. That's the way, that's, that's how God closes accounts. Because when he does that, what he does is he unhooks you from the past of that experience that continues to hurt and harm you. Well, I was, um, one morning I got up as it was, I think it was a Saturday morning and then Saturday mornings I often just take time to, to pray and to meditate and I kind of work through the message one more time and, and I, it was about a year ago and I was sitting on my porch. It was about, I think, 6.30 in the morning. And I noticed my phone kind of flash. You know how you kind of just, you see a little flash? And it was a notification from the credit card company that a charge had just been made. And I'm thinking, is my wife in bed making charges? You know, what's going on? Which she wasn't. And it charged about $70 for a trip I had just made a few hours earlier in Santa Domingo. And I immediately went, got alarmed. And and I I, I called first the credit card company and they immediately put a stop to any payment and then I called Uber because someone had gotten my Uber account and was making a trip in Santa Domingo from one place to the other and even giving stars on how great the trip was. (laughs) And so what I did was my phone, it detected it, knew I needed to act on it, notified the authorities 
And third, close the account. Because it had been compromised. There are some things in your life you need to probably shut down that I think can rob your identity. And it may be there are relationships and places or experiences that steal your identity. You may not be in a place where it can, you, you might, in some places or some things you see or do, you just go, I just can't go there because of what it does to my identity. There's probably areas where you're acting like you shouldn't, places where you're, you're not being true to who you know God has truly called you to be. Could be places or people you're with where you're phony. With one group you act one way and then with another group you act another way. And, and really what has to happen to close the account, you need to make a decision. Who do you really want to be? Another thing that's really important when you talk about closing accounts is as you close accounts, one of the things that I think is critically important is that you find yourself in places where you're with others who help restore that identity. So when it has been stolen, you're in a place where people are actually helping you become who God has created you to be, that you will live out his purpose and you will actually live out his destiny. So it's not just a negative close it down. There's also what are you going to open up to? That's critically important when it comes to your sense of identity. You need people in your life who truly know Jesus and who truly see who you are and who will truly help you become who you're supposed to be. I like the movie Lion King for a number of reasons. I like some of the music, but one of the things I liked it, because I used to have to watch it all the times with my kids, and now I, now I realize you can't do screen time like that with my grandchild, so I don't know what I'm going to do. But anyway... At one point, little Simba, the lion cub, who's next in line to be the king, he runs away because he believes that what he did caused his father to be killed. He's actually believing lies, and those lies rob him of his identity, and he runs away. And he runs away, and he takes up partnership and friendship, and they're friends, Timon, this mirror, uh, he's a meerkat, and, and then Pumbaa, the, the warthog, Right? He takes up friendship with them, and, and they don't really help him live out his true identity. In fact, they, they at least bring some comfort and some friendship with him. And, and what they actually do, he's living with this group, and, and they don't help him know his true identity, because eventually at one point he's actually eating slimy worms and insects and things like that, which obviously, you know, lions don't eat. But he's doing that. Until one day, Rafiki, who is in Swahili means friend, Rafiki helps little Simba see and hear the truth of who he is. And Rafiki is this baboon, it's kind of interesting. And he reminds Simba of who he is and has him look into a pond. At one point Simba was young, now he's much older. And it's not the little Simba anymore. And he's looking into the pond, sees a reflection back. Since he hasn't seen the reflection, he sees a reflection of what? He's the son of the father. He actually sees, in a sense, his father. And he hears this voice as he's looking into the pond that says, you have forgotten who you are and you've forgotten me. And Simba completely lost his sense of identity, didn't remember he was born to be a king. He's, he's actually clothed in lion skin, but he's living like a meerkat and a warthog. And along comes a guy named Rafiki, and Rafiki, who is a wise counselor, points him to his true identity and to who he is. And and you need, you need people like that in your life. 
You know, you, you know, you need to open yourself up to people. That's one of the reasons why we're so um, pushing people to get into small groups. And I'm not just saying groups that get together and chat and, and, and you know, have friendship. That's a good thing. That's a kind of Tamal and Pumbaa. It's good. We need that. I'm talking about people who will know the word of God with you and begin to hear the voice of God with you and step into this and help one another become who God has called you to be. That's the kind of groups we want to create. I was really grateful last um, Friday night, this last Friday night, the yay God thing. It's not anything about me winning anything here, but um, um, it's a yay God thing because Irv and Nancy Tang, who have led our small group ministry, had about 50 people come over who are small group leaders, and we all met together just as a time to appreciate one another and, and, and what our small group leaders do. I, I encourage you, if you're not in one, you've got some time to think. On August 18th and 25th, either one of those Sundays after the service, we're going to talk about these small groups. I would love for you to consider getting you know, more connected to that and understanding and feeling, even if you feel called to lead one, I'd love for you to do it. Because you need Rafiki's in your life. You need someone who knows you enough that you're willing to get vulnerable enough with that they'll be the kind of person that says, hey, you're just not living up to what God's called you to be. Do you have those kind of relationships in your life? So you close the account and make sure there's open to other accounts. And then you take control of your identity. Where it is possible, change the things you can change. There are things that you can't change. There's accounts you can close, things you can open up to. You need to take charge of your identity. And you can change, if you want to, what you allow your mind to think about. You can choose to say, I'm going to allow my mind to begin to think about those things which are true. There's a scripture that Paul um, quotes, and he quotes it in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, and he challenges us. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You've learned this and you've received this, he says from me. You've actually seen it. Now I'm asking you to take it one step further. Quit watching and observing and actually put it into practice in your own life. And the Holy Spirit might be calling you for, for, for a time in, in a way that he never has before, saying it is time to really get to know God's word. It is time to get to know the Holy Spirit and his voice in your heart. One of the things that I found in my life, and I'm, you know, I've been trying to, I, I, I want to grow in, in my own ability to be really vulnerable before you. One of the areas that I have grown in my life is in this area. For a long time, I, I have I had known God's word. I've been in Bible studies with people, but I knew there were things, there were wounds that continued to press within me a sense of false identity. And so about 15 years ago, I started reading some different books from Leanne Payne. I could list a whole bunch of different authors, Neil Anderson, others. And I remember at that time thinking, I want to move this to here. And I remember going through this process and eventually my, my, my wife and my daughter and one of our good friends, all these women, they, they went to this place called Ministry of Reconciliation where they went through a thing where they started to do some healing inner prayer, some things around the wounds in their heart. And I was kind of resistant to it and, and so was my, my friend, both of us. But what we decided to do on our anniversary, because our anniversaries, um, uh, wedding anniversaries, this other couple is one day apart, we decided, this friend of mine and I, to go ahead and to go through ministry of reconciliation. That was our gift. 
You'd think like we gave them the world. (laughs) Wives know what I'm talking about. Men, so many of your wives are waiting for you to move from here to here. And I remember I went through this and I went through it and I remember going, God was healing some things in my heart through his word. My friend, for the first time, who had for 20 years been in church, heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, talked about his prayer like he'd never experienced it before. And I remember thinking to myself, Lord, if it's possible, I want to start some kind of ministry, which we've started this gateway ministry, which I shared with you a little bit ago that we've had a thousand prayer sessions in the last six years since we started it with people all around this community. And its main purpose is to help people hear the word of God, hear the voice of God in their heart, and to heal some of those things that just continue to repetitively repeat itself until Jesus speaks to it. We're not the healers. Jesus will heal any in any situation if you're willing to bring it to him. So closing the account and then doing what you can by saying, I'm going to start to fill my mind with what I know is true. And Jesus, I'm going to heal my heart. There may be some wounds, some things that I might even not be consciously aware of, but your Holy Spirit knows it. And the last is to stay alert. You just need to live with a sense of alertness and realize how easily your identity can be stolen. You read God's word, you pray in the spirit, you seek healing for inner wounds, you worship regularly, you get into community with people who know you and love you and trust you and know God's word and know the spirit of God and and move into what is right and true. They live trusting, obedient lives. You use your spiritual gifts. That's another thing. When you start using your spiritual gifts, the power of God begins to flow through you. And you do those things that keep you connected to Jesus, and you do so staying alert. Jesus said to Peter at one point, just before, it's really interesting, in Luke, he's talking to Peter, and he's about ready to go to the cross. Jesus is there in this Last Supper occasion. And it's interesting, if you read this account, he says, Simon, Simon. He doesn't call him Peter, and you go, why? He's calling him by his old name, his old identity. Because he's living right now in his old identity. He's trying to get his attention. When you hear that false name, God is, not only are you being attacked, God is calling your attention. And he says, Simon, Simon, Saints asked to sift you like wheat. I love what he has to say too. He says, he doesn't say, you know, um, stand so if you fall. He says, when you fall, after you've fallen basically, come back to my grace. Because the power of God is in the grace of God. It's acceptance and love of you no matter what. And so he says, I want you to stay alert, Simon. And then what does he say? He says, watch and pray. Be on alert. So that Peter later, listen to what he writes. We, we read it before in the Living Bible. We stood and read this. Listen, this out of that context, Peter writes these words to you. To every one of us, he says, detect it. He wants you then to to turn to the authority, notify the authorities. He wants you to close accounts. He then wants you to do what you can do. And these are all your ways you can participate. And then he says, stay alert. And listen to Peter says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. 
Jesus, when we look at him going into the desert, he goes into the desert. What I love about it is he's full of the spirit, led by the spirit. What I love later is to go through this testing. Here's something too you need to know. Um, afterwards, it says he, and he, and he went in the power of the spirit. Power is released when you begin to allow the character of God to be revealed in you through times of testing. What, he, what you might be experiencing right now, God might be saying, I'm going to just anchor more fully you in the identity that I've created in you. Because I have a desire to reveal the power of myself through you. So he says all these things. And so Jesus, as he's coming out of the desert, Luke 4.13, it says this little comment. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Do you catch that? I mean, if he thinks he's going to get Jesus, you better believe. He's not going to be like this lion. You know when a lion kind of pounces on the prey and the prey gets away? What do they do? They sit there and they kind of, it's almost like they're kind of like, and they, and they don't take their eye off that prey. They just keep watching that prey till they can at another time pounce on it. And so the word of God tells us we need to stay alert. Be wise. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the team to come forward. And I want us to read this verse together again. Let's say it. Be alert. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks. Trust the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I invite you. I invite you in this moment right now. Your spirit has spoken to some hearts. They're in a place. They're in circumstances. They feel the pain and the heat of it. And they're also feeling the names that they've been maybe called before or they've believed. Names like inadequate, unlovable, unable to be forgiven. And you might right now need to notify the authority and say, Jesus, that experience, that time when my parents labeled me this, that time when at work what happened wasn't fair and unjust labeled me. Those friends that I were with that I thought were friends just abandoned me. Whatever it might be right now, I just ask you to notify Jesus and listen with your spirit. Would you listen with your spirit and say, Jesus, who do you say that I am? Whatever it is, whatever you're feeling underneath that's a belief, connected to that belief is a lie. If that feeling is not of God, If it's fear, anxiety, humility, depression, you were created to walk in joy and peace and righteousness, says the word of God. Who do you say that I am, Jesus? Lord, I pray that as your name 
and the power of your name comes upon each and every one of us. When we say the name Jesus, that you will set people free this morning. As we sing this song, you will set us free to walk in the identity that you have created us to walk in. We thank you in Christ's name.